Welcome to episode 76 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week, my guest is Evita Sells, and she is currently serving in the Navy with 12 years in. She is a single mother of a daughter and a son, and we spent a lot of time talking about what the challenges are like to be in the Navy and be a single parent, and it was really interesting to hear her experience and the how she has gone through the different challenges that she's faced. So it's another great episode and let's get started. You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Avita is currently serving in the U.S. Navy and has been on active duty for 12 years. She is a human resource officer currently stationed in Phoenix, Arizona, and a mother to two children, a son who's seven and a daughter who's five. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to hear your military story. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Let's dive in with why did you decide to join the military? So um, coming from a military family, everyone was Army. My dad, my grandfather, my brother. So I've always been around the military. I grew up with it. And uh, seeing my dad at at his events and things, um, the thing that stood out the most was the uh, camaraderie and the team atmosphere and it just seemed like so much fun and and also a challenge at the same time and those are things that attracted me but what made me go for navy was in high school i did junior rotc which was the only navy in my high school offered offered that no other branches of service so there i was exposed to navy and and i think that's what kind of sold me on the navy ultimately i definitely wanted to serve but but that's why i chose navy okay so you have a family tradition of serving in the Army, and then because of Jay Rotsi, Junior ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Corps, which you can do in high school, it was Navy, and you were like, oh, this Navy thing looks interesting. So what route did you go? Did you enlist or become an officer? I went straight to officer, not directly out of high school. So I went to college first, undergraduate at Penn State. And I, I spoke with a recruiter there. And when I graduated, I went to OCS. So you didn't do ROTC in college. You just were a normal college student. Yeah, that's right. Normal college student, normal college experience. Um, although I did look into Naval Academy, I looked into ROTC. But at the time, I don't think I was ready to go that route. And so I at least got the college experience, but I still had the burning desire to serve. I think I just wasn't ready, I guess, at the time to do it until I graduated. And I was like, okay, now I'm ready. So what was the process like to become an officer? Did you just put a packet in? Did you go into a recruiter office or how did that all work? So I did go to a recruiting station near me. By that point, I was graduated. I had already been graduated about four years before I actually pulled the trigger with the recruiter. And so I went to the office put in the application, a package, and it kind of gave me an idea of what availabilities there were and kind of steered me towards a certain direction. And then I worked with that recruiter the entire time. It, it took about six months, I think, from start to finish. And did you have to go to MEPS and do that before you left for your training? Oh, yes. I had to do the MEPS, had to do the duck walk, all the fun stuff that goes into that they still do. And 
I went through um, New York is the one I went through. So I'm from New Jersey originally, so, so I, I, that was the closest one to us. So I did it there and had that fun experience. And then what was officer training like? So OCS in the Navy, we have Marine Corps drill instructors that train us. So we have like a triad. So we have a class officer, which is usually like an O3 naval officer, kind of like our mentor and like models officer-like qualities. Then we have the Marine Corps drill instructor that just kicks our butts, disciplines us, works us out physically. And then we also have a senior enlisted. So it could be like a senior chief or E7 or E8 typically. And they're also like a part of our class team. And so they also do disciplinary things as well. But it's really the Marine Corps drill instructor that really like whips us into shape towards the beginning, at least throughout the whole process. So that made it challenging in, in, in itself, you know, because they're very fit, you know, they, they want us to be physically fit, but also, you know, like a whole person kind of thing, you know, but also, you know, knowing, you know, nautical tradition and history and, and all the stuff that goes into learning to be an officer, customs and courtesies, you know, so we, we, we got the whole gambit in 12 weeks. So it was pretty intense. Yes. And then what did you do after you graduated? You became a ensign and which is the same as a second lieutenant in the Air Force. I think all the other branches, right? Coast Guard and Coast Guard. Yeah. Yes. I've interviewed them, but still I forget. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I just got in trouble. So you're an O one, an ensign, and you where did you go to? What was your career path? So right after I commissioned, so I commissioned in, it was in March of 2008. And uh, after that, next month, I went straight down to Pensacola, Florida for flight training. And that's where we do, that's where we do like our initial flight training. So I went straight there, started, I didn't wait very long to class up, immediately started like my, my first trainings flying. After there, I spent about a little over a year in Pensacola flight training. And then I went off to Jacksonville, Florida, because by that point, then I was going P3s. So those are P3 Charlie aircraft. So it's a large uh, four-prop uh, multi-engine aircraft. Use, the main mission set is sub-hunting and surveillance. So I went off to Jacksonville to do training for that. And then after Jacksonville, then I went to my squadron, which was in Hawaii. So it was BP-47. So that was my, my first squadron. Wow, Hawaii. That sounds like a nice assignment. And then from there, like about two months in, then we deployed. So they split the squadron in half. Uh, half went to Iraq, and the other half went to 7th Fleet, which was Okinawa. So that's where we, we were based out of Kadena, uh, at a squadron there. And then we flew missions out in the 7th Fleet AOR, which is like, you know, the South China Sea, Malaysia, like all those fun places. So I was in that part of the squadron. So then while, while I was there, um, we did those missions. And then after we got done with that deployment, I came back to Hawaii. And then I was over at the wing for... Patrol and Reconnaissance Wing 2. And uh, by that point, we were gearing up for RIMPAC, Rim of the Pacific, which is every two years on uh, even year. So that was in 2010. And so I was helping out with that uh, at the wing, doing uh, public affairs type stuff. And so I realized a long-term career in aviation wasn't for me. And so I was already looking to redesignate to public affairs. So my squadron allowed me to go and do public affairs work, get experience. I did Fleet Week in New York City. They allowed me to, to fly out and do that. And so by the end of RIMPAC, then I was off to, uh, I redesignated to public affairs. So that was my, my first designator switch. And then I became a uh, reserve public affairs because I got off active duty. And then I went to the reserves. Then I came back to Jersey after Hawaii. And then I was drilling at a reserve center in New Jersey. But I was also, if you're familiar with, with reserve drilling, then I was cross-assigned 
to a public affairs unit in Washington, D.C. I know it kind of gets a little confusing, so I was kind of working in two places, and then I was working on my MBA at Rutgers University. So I had a lot going on, and during my second year of MBA studies is when I became pregnant. So that's when you know I, I met my future ex-husband, and I had uh, then I was pregnant with my first child, graduated. I was a lieutenant JG by that point, and then I had my first child. So I have two. Uh, still a reservist. So then graduated my MBA degree, still a drilling reservist. And then I got a job with the Department of Health and Human Services afterwards. So I was living down in the DC area, a husband and, and, and a son, and then realized that wasn't for me, government service job, at least not, not at that time. Then I found these orders to come a definite recall back on a temporary active duty. That was in uh, our Navy personnel headquarters, which is in Millington, Tennessee. And so I went there, I was on definite recall orders, and then I was working in a transition office. So what that office did was it worked with people who were leaving active duty and transitioning to the reserves or getting out. So I got to talk to like so many hundreds and hundreds of people who were leaving active duty, find out why they were leaving active duty and what they were going to do afterwards. So it it was really insightful. And so I um, counseled them on their options, their benefits, and kind of give them some ideas of what they can do having been a reservist, going from active to reserve is, is night and day because it's almost like two different worlds. And so I helped them with that to navigate that and get them set up for success in the reserves. So while I was working there, I tried to come back on full active duty, so like uh, uh, which is indefinite recall, but they had no more quotas for public affairs officers. So while I was there, my director said, why don't you go to human resources? You know, it'll be good for you. And by that point, I had already separated from my husband at the time. We were split not quite divorced yet. And I was pregnant with my second child while I was working there when I got on those orders. So so he says, you know, be good for you as a single mom. I'll give you more stability and the human resources community, but you can still serve and still make an impact. And so I put a package in and I got picked up for human resources while I was there. So that's my ne- next change of, uh, of professions in the Navy. Let's stop for a minute and talk about when you went back on active duty, not fully on active duty, but with the orders indefinite orders were you separated from your spouse was he in the military too or was he civilian civilian nope he was not i was at department of health and human services i was only there for about two months and before i saw the advertisement for the um, orders come up and i i knew i was pregnant at that point i applied for the orders and and i let them know that i was pregnant and they still let me come on the orders and then so it was kind of like a clean break. So then him and I separated and then I took off to Tennessee and then he stayed behind in the apartment we were in. And then I, I went off and my mom joined me. So she was, she's been my support ever since to help me with the kids uh, until this day. She lives with me right now and she helps me uh, while I'm working and everything, take care of the kids and all. So she's been a tremendous help. So I haven't remarried yet or anything. So not yet at least. <laughs> but So were you guys kind of already separated or like, getting separated and that's why you were looking for a new job it wasn't the separation that caused it or was that like the nail in the coffin so it was so we were still together when those orders came up so the plan was for him to join me and, and we were going to go together as a family but by that point um you know it was already kind of like on his last leg the relationship so you know he you know he was abusive uh he, he wasn't a good husband nowadays fast forward to present we get along looking back you know he feels bad who's going through you know a tough time and he had some emotional challenges and some mental health issues at the time that that contributed to that. But then it got to the point where as, as the day was coming closer to leave, which is the end of May, I knew he wasn't going to come because we were already kind of split. And then um, so it was kind of a rough split. 
we broke off and then I went on my own. Right, with your mom, which is a huge help for for you because being in the military isn't easy to be a single mom. So did your mom just know that you needed help and then she was willing to come and help you out or how did that all work? Yes, so to all of that. But, you know, having been a military spouse herself, she understood what she was getting into by joining me. She was also retired, so she, she didn't have to worry about work. And she's also single, so she, she's not remarried or anything. So she had no strings that were keeping her anywhere, so she was free to join me. And, and I think at the same time, she enjoyed the lifestyle, missed it. And now she's kind of like living vicariously through me now. <laughs> so it, it, it was pluses all the way around. Yeah, and I didn't even think about that, that you grew up in the military, so your mom knew what it was like to be a military spouse. And so she knew like what she was signing up for to help you out. And to, she knew what the sacrifice was that would be required. So that's, that's awesome that she was able to, she was able to do it and is continuing to do it. What's been the hardest part of being on active duty and being a mom? And it could even be like, and having your mom as a helper. What's been the hardest part? Ooh, the personalities. Oh my gosh. Like everybody's an A-type personality. My mom, oh, she's so feisty. My kids, there's, you know, it's so dealing with that and then also, you know, having to get up and, and, and come to work and all. And my mom is 72, so she is older. So she's kind of like not as active as she used to be. So I'm picking up a lot of the slack. So my time is very tight, like every day. I'm still in a doctorate program, still doing that, working full time, trying to stay fit, take care of kids, take care of my mom. You know, we're sharing one car. So it's just like, the timing of everything and trying to do all the things I need to do in a day is, is really hard. And, you know, and then, the, you know, the personalities and all that <laughs> go into being in my house. So it's, it's interesting, but I think it makes me sharper. It makes me stronger as a person. So it's definitely, you know, I definitely see the good in it. Yeah. And have you had to travel for work while you've been on active duty or do you have a pretty secure spot where you don't have to move around a lot? Well, I do travel, uh, not on a regular basis. In the Navy, you know, uh, our jobs, they always want to do some kind of training, you know, either a new training or a refresher training or some conference or some meeting that we have to go meet somewhere halfway across the country. So I do that a few times a year. Usually it's like no more than a week a piece, usually just anywhere from a couple days to a week, maybe four or five times a year to do certain things. So it's doable. It's manageable. Sometimes I feel like people think that the only time military parents are away from their families is when they're deployed. But there's also like conferences and TDYs and training and like all these different things that people still have to do. And so it's not just because someone asked me like, well, how do you survive when your husband's deployed? I'm like, well, he's not deployed. He's just gone a lot. and He just travels a lot. And it's so it's hard. What else has been challenging about being in the Navy? I know you started out as a pilot and then you switched to PA and then now you switched to human resources. Was there anything about being a pilot that you said you couldn't see yourself doing that in the long term? So what was like, what about the job made you think that it was a good idea to switch and find a different career field? So it was Naval Flight Officer. So when I first joined, the recruiter kind of steered me towards that. I guess because they needed more women in aviation at that point. And so it wasn't my first choice to do that. But then, you know, that's kind of like what was available was to do that. And so I was like, you know, I'll, I'll make the best of it. And and I'm glad I did. 
And I definitely, you know, I learned a lot in the process, but and it was never really anything I was passionate about. And I know people are really passionate about flying and aviation, and, and I'm tremendously grateful I got that experience, but it just, it didn't sit right with me and what I'm comfortable with and my talents and skill sets. So I always thought I can best contribute in, in another way. Public affairs, human resources, that was that was more up my alley. But, you know, I do like the challenge in, in military service. So I could have did something like diving officer. I thought that would have been cool or something like that, but like that wasn't available at that time. So... It just, it just really ultimately just came down to me not really being passionate about it. Not really, it wasn't really resonating with me. Yeah, that makes sense. And you really liked PA, but then you, they didn't have any spots open. It was kind of like the same thing, but, and now you're a human resource officer. And do you like what you're doing now? Is it something that you want to continue to do? Or would you jump if you had the chance to go back to PA? No, I, I'm, I'm pretty set where I'm at. I think of it like a tree with branches, our human resources community. There's a lot of different directions you can go. Uh, you can you could be like a training and development specialist. You could be a recruiting expert. You could be great with like manpower and policy or the number crunching operations analysis type stuff. So there's a lot of different ways you can go. And there's a lot of variety in billets. And so I really like that about it. And that really keeps me engaged. I really love working with people. I love helping sailors with their careers, the people interaction. And I get that in the human resources community, but also more stability for my family and me, especially my situation where it wouldn't be great if I was deploying twice a year, you know, or like half a year or like for a year. So, so it, it definitely works. And, and, and do you guys move around like every four years or does the Navy keep you in like one place for a long period of time? That depends that the officers tend to move around every two years. So, or less. Yes. So my, my track record has been two years at every job or less. So anywhere between 20 and 24 months has been like my track record um, at different commands. So yes, I do move a lot. And it's, it, that, you know, has its challenges in itself with kids getting older, stability in schools and friends starting to come into that now. If we can pull it off where it doesn't hurt your career to stay in one place for a longer period, that's great. But it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, because your kids are seven and five, so they're start. Is your daughter in kindergarten, or will she start next year? She's in kindergarten. So they're they're in school, and then how long have you guys been where you are at now? We got here in July, a couple months ago, July twenty nineteen. So you've just moved, and how did how was it for your seven year old? Because my kids are getting older, and like the first move, my son was one, and it wasn't really a, he didn't even know. And then this last move, he was five. He was in kinder, starting kindergarten, and it was a lot harder for him. And I feel like the older they get, the harder it gets on them and then on me. So, yes, this time coming over here, my son, my daughter didn't give as much. Uh, she didn't gripe as much. I think she's still kind of young, but my son did. He was upset. He was like, I want to stay back with my friends. And so he kind of started that. And, and I suspect that when it comes time to rotate out of here, that the same thing is going to happen, you know, and they really like their school. They really like where they're at. And he liked his last school that he was at when we were in Pennsylvania. And so but he got over that quicker. But I think, you know, with time, it may not be. Yeah. Easy. Kids are resilient, but it's still hard for them to have to pick up and move. And so you have like eight ish more years. That's a lot more moves. So with OCS, they um, your clock starts when you show up. So I showed up in 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 November of, of um, 
So right here, November 2nd will be my anniversary date of 12 years. And so that's when the clock starts, not when you commission. So when you first show up. And so when I did reserve time, I lost like almost three years. So I still have like about, well, like 10 years to go. Yeah. But you like your job and it's got good stability for your family. And so besides being a single mom and serving in the military, have you had any other challenges while serving in the military? Yes. Actually, I got diagnosed with diabetes. So I, I have so I have that that I'm dealing with right now. And that becomes challenging to, to not only all the things I explained before about school, you know, balancing everything, act. Now I have to really watch what I eat. Now I have to watch my sugars. I have to keep control of that. And so that, that's another added challenge that I didn't anticipate. Especially being fit and in shape, I didn't expect to get a diabetes diagnosis. Caught me off guard. So... So I'm dealing with that. That's a big challenge. So how did they find that? Was that just through your yearly physicals or did they catch it another way? Or did you just not feel good? I was feeling off. Uh, so I was getting sleepy at my desk when I normally wouldn't. And I was struggling to get through my days. I, I had the symptoms. I was always thirsty, frequent urination, dry mouth, so all the classic symptoms of diabetes. And I didn't realize it until I was going to apply for life insurance and they did blood work. And then they told me my sugars were too high. I'm like, wow. So then I went into the military treatment facility on the base. And then they um, they gave me the diagnosis. They said I had it. And this is coming on almost three years now that I've had it. Wow. And you never really had anything like that before. It just kind of popped up. Does that affect like anything in like, are you on a profile or do you get a waiver for PT or do you still have to meet standards? Oh, still got to meet all the standards. My only restriction now is that I'm not allowed to go to sea billets, seagoing billets. And, and that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm here now in Phoenix. I was initially supposed to go out to sea. Really excited about that. I really wanted, wanted to go out. Um, so I was really like our only chance as a human resources officer to get operational time. And I really wanted to do that. But they told me I couldn't because of you know, my risk. I was more high risk. So they, they didn't take me. And so they rerouted me to Phoenix where I'm at now. What do you see on the horizon from now until you get out? Do you like have a career path plan or do you just take it one assignment at a time? Well, a little bit of both. I think it's, it's definitely good to kind of think downrange and, and, and try to make the move to get to where you ultimately want to be. And so I always thought it would be great to, you know, our, our community has one flag billet and the chief of naval personnel which I think would be like the epitome of a human resources officer's job is not yet designated as a human resources or anyone whose HR can do that job. I think at some point, maybe when my time comes, I'd love a chance at that. So thinking long range impact, what can I do to make, make it better for women in the military, for anyone who wants to serve, how can I do that? And so each station along the way, I try to try to work towards that and then eventually um, get to a point where I can really make some big, big impact. So I think long range, I definitely would like to, to go as high as I can go and, and continue helping others. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. And that's really all you can hope for to do the best that you can and have big dreams and see where you end up. So my last question is, what would you tell girls who are considering joining the military? I would say, go for it. Do it. We need more women in the military. I'm hoping that before I leave service, we get to 50% women in the military, that it matches the job force, you know, percentage. And women are, we're just as capable. It, that's all a myth that, you know, our minds are different and that, are, that we're not as capable we are. And, and we can make great soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen. 
and we need more women. So don't, you know, join, don't be apprehensive, you know, embrace it. It's nowadays, it's even more amenable for single mothers to do it. A lot of things have changed along the way. The women before, even men have paid, paved the way for women to serve better now. I mean, it's, we can all do it. And I highly recommend it as a career path for, for women to choose. Yeah, I agree. There's been so much change and things modified for women just since I got out in 2013. And I see with like all the jobs opening up and all the things that I'm hearing about, there's even more changes to keep, to make it more easy for families to stay in. I know I said that was the last question, but being a mom and doing like school and working like do you feel ever like you are overwhelmed or have you found a good system for like work-life balance i think it's important to have have releases you know have um you know to try to strive for that yes it's so hard some days i'm just like my god my life is so hard you know but i these are things that like these were goals of mine that i really wanted and i was like i'm gonna make it work somehow you know, persistence despite setbacks. I'm like, yeah, I'm a single mom. It's like my time is limited. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to get my doctorate. I'm going to, you know, you know, take the hard jobs. I'm going to move if I need to. I'm going to do all the things that I need to do. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to be there for my kids. And I'm, I'm going to I'm going to get it done somehow. I'm going to make it because, you know, when you're a single mom and everyone's depending on you, like failure is not an option. Got to make it happen. So so that's my, that's my thinking. I'm like, I'm going to succeed some, some way, somehow. And so I kind of see it as like my obligation to to do well and everything and, and to put my best foot forward and make every, make it happen. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you're on a great track and you're doing so many great things. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to be on the podcast. It's been really interesting to hear about like all the different pivots that you've had along the way and how you're still going forward and making adjustments as life happens. Yes, ma'am. I, and I'm happy to be here. When I saw your you know, book and podcast, I'm like, yeah, I got to get on that. You know, it's like, we, we you know, we got to help each other, you know, women, we got to support each other, help each other out. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll help and support you any way I can. And, and, you know, and, and I do that for, you know, for anyone. So I'm glad to be here. And thank you again for having me. It was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. This was great. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to let you know that this week I'm doing a bonus episode on Thursday with First Command and I would love for you to come back on Thursday to check it out. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military.